people, before we get to today's show, I wanted to share some really exciting news. As part of the NYC PodFest, the Theater People Podcast will be having our first live show on January 15th, 2015. Even more exciting than that, our guest for this live event will be the amazing, beautiful, talented, hilarious, two-time Tony nominee, our friend Laura Osnes. The event is taking place at Fontana's Bar on the Lower East Side. Tickets are only $10, and there's only 100 of them. They're going fast already, so head over to our website where you'll find the link to buy tickets. We're at theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. We hope to see all of you there. Natalie Ashford. Hi, this is Queen Leslie. I'm Robin DeJesus. Queen Leslie Margarita. Hi, I'm Eden Espinosa. I'm Anthony Rapp. Hi, I'm Laura Osnes. I'm Katie Finnerin. Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins. I'm Karen Olivo, and you are listening to the Theater People Podcast. Hello, fellow theater people. Welcome to episode 24 of the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. Everyone has moments from shows they've seen that stick with them. For me, one of those moments came at the end of Act One of Grey Gardens the Musical, as today's guest, Erin Davey, making her Broadway debut as the young Edith Bouvier Beale, suitcase in hand, sneaks down the stairs and out the back door of the Grey Gardens mansion. She's running away from her oppressive life at Grey Gardens to New York City. It's a moment so full of hope, but also so sad if you know what's in store for her. The moment was visually perfect, and I think about it a lot when I think about my favorite shows. Since Great Gardens, Erin has been seen on Broadway in Curtains, A Little Night Music. There's a story she shares in this interview, by the way, about working on that show with the legendary Elaine Stritch that you just have to hear. And The Mystery of Edwin Drood. All shows I think it's accurate to describe as ensemble pieces. But now, taking on the role of Violet Hilton, one half of the conjoined twins, the Hilton sisters, in the highly anticipated revival of Sideshow, Erin is taking on her first starring role on Broadway, and she's more than ready. It was such a pleasure to speak with her. Here's our conversation. Like a fish plucked from the ocean, tossed into a foreign stream, always knew that I was different, often fled into a dream. I ignored the raging currents right against the tide we swam. But I floated with the question, who will love me as I am? Like an odd, exotic creature on display. Congratulations on Sideshow. Thank you. Beginning previews October 28th. Does it? Okay. So. <laughs> Somebody tell her when to be at the theater. I know. I'm like, sometime at the end of October. What theater are you guys going into? The St. James. Oh, my goodness. That's my favorite theater. It is? Why? Because I saw Tommy there when I was oh. like 17 or something. It was my first Broadway show. Yeah. And it like changed my life. Wow. I loved it so much. I never saw that production. Oh, my God. I love that show. But I I, I remember going out and buying that CD. Yeah. I was like, what? It's a new new musical. I must have it. They need to revive it with you as Mrs. Walker. Oh, my God. Can you can you sing rock like are you a rock can you like do rock singing? On a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Sideshow. Okay. Um first of all, maybe can you describe the show a little bit for people who might be sort of unfamiliar with it? Just just vaguely, just vaguely. I can't imagine somebody listening to this, this podcast, podcast not be. Doesn't, no. 
know what sideshow it is about. <laughs> that's um, a true. That, that's probably very but true. But it's about it's a true story about uh, conjoined twins, mm-hmm. Daisy and Violet Hilton, who lived um, back in the twenties, thirties. They were performers, and at one point, they were the highest paid vaudeville performers of their time. Um, so the story is about their journey, their travels, their loves, their losses, uh, and it seems to be very moving to people. So. Yeah, it had, like a, a, it had like a kind of a short life its first time, but like on Broadway. But it had like. But it was such an impact. Yeah. You know, I mean, it impacted everybody who knows anything about Broadway and musical theater and who loves it, knows mm-hmm. it. And um, everybody I know love has always loved it. Yeah. I mean, and it gave us Alice Ripley and. and Emily Skinner. Oh my God. We're, I'm going <laughs> to take that again. Card. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Can we please edit that out? It gave us Alice Ripley and Emily Skinner. That's right. Um, how did this part come to you? How did this part come to me? Um, I was I had just done Grey Gardens, and um, when was this? It was like the summer after, the year after, and I was kind of like the it girl. All of a sudden, everybody wanted yeah. me to do a reading. They're reading, so I was taking every reading I could. Um, I was just working a lot. And so, you know, Sideshow, I heard they were wanted to maybe do a reading of Sideshow to see how, you know, how it would float now or if they changed it some, what, what that would be like. So um, I, I auditioned with a lot of other girls. And I didn't think for a second that I was going to get it. Because I'm not like a, I don't, I'm not like a, I'm not like an Alice Ripley. I'm not like a, you know, that ripping, belty, uh-huh. Down. I was like, all right, I'll go in for it. <laughs> uh, so I went in, and they, I got a call back, and then I went back in, and there were all these other girls who usually you're up against. Uh-huh. It's so interesting. It's like no other audition experience. So usually you're up against these girls, and, and instead you're going into the room with them and singing with them, and they pair you up. Oh, right. Yeah. So Did, you, that, know, did you know them, some I of know, them? I knew some of them. Um but um, at that time, and this was like six years ago, wow! Uh, I did not know um, who I did it with, who mm-hmm. I ended up doing it with, which was Betsy Wolf at that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love Betsy Wolf. Yeah, she's good. Mm-hmm. So um, we did that reading, and, and it seemed to go well. And the director, Bill, loved us, and he was like, I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to do this. You never you do a reading. You're like, okay, yeah. whatever. <laughs> right. Really? This is going to happen? So, you know, I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, that was fun? Okay. And he kept, he kind of kept in touch with us over the years and was like, I still want to do this. And I was like, yeah, even if you do do it, you're not going to ask me. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, five years later, whatever, last year, um, they were like, yeah, it's happening. And wow. he's, you know, he's Was still- it always Broadway bound or was it going to just be La Jolla? No, no, it was always broad. You it know, was. With, I think the eye is always on Broadway, mm-hmm. but, you know, first you have to fiddle with it and mm-hmm. see what works, you know. So, you know, last year, um, Betsy wasn't available. Right. She was doing bullets over so Broadway. so I thought that, you know, I was like, oh, well, I guess it's not going to be me. So... No, but they, he was like, the director said, no, I still want you, and I'm going to try to match you. So I did have to kind of audition again. You know, I had to yep. still kind of match. We still had to find a match. It still wasn't for sure my role. Um, so I actually came into this studio here. No way, the one right across the hall? Yeah. Oh, wow. Totally. I think that's the last time I was here. So. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. Yeah. And, you know, again, all these girls, 
And they were asked to put on the red lipstick, so they matched <laughs> and had the heel heights. And so you're close together. I sang, I think, I Will Never Leave You and Who Will Love Me Sam, like, ten times in a row. Oh, my God. So. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about Emily Padgett. Yes, luckily How? she walked in the door, and it was like, oh, that worked. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know right away? You know, you can kind of tell, and you're like, oh, this, I think this works. For anybody who doesn't know, Emily Padgett is playing Daisy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yes, yeah, she came in, and I, I mean, at the end of the day, I definitely would have said that girl would be my pick. I didn't wow. know. I didn't know if the people behind the table felt the same way, um, but they did. Did you? Were you in a position to be able to say that? No, I was trying to kind of be open to the possibility of it not being mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went like across. I haven't told anybody this before, but oh my god, I'm so excited! Oh my god, you're getting the scoop. Yeah, I went. I went across the street um, right beforehand. There's an actor's chapel. Yes, that's right. I, I, I was like, I went in there and I was like, if this isn't mine, it's fine. It's not mine. But I'm because I, you know, there was a possibility. I didn't in my head that you know, it wasn't going to happen, and I didn't want to get my hopes up. So I was like, I'm gonna, I went in there and I kind of let it go, and then. I came in, and I did the audition. And so I didn't want to be like, how'd it go? Did she work with me? (laughs) I was going to let them make that decision. So um, I did. And uh, what's funny is I didn't hear for... I didn't hear the next day. And usually in those situations, especially in the first round of auditions, like six years ago, Uh we heard that day. Right away. We knew. So I was expecting that again. Um, But that didn't happen. So after I didn't hear for about a day and a half, I was like, oh, it's not mine. I'm okay. And I really thought, like, that was it. And then they called, and they were like, oh, no, they just had to okay with some producers at the Kennedy Center or something like that. Oh, my God. So, yeah. They, I feel like they don't know what they're doing to actors when they do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. They don't, and so you have to be kind of, it's, it's your responsibility to kind of be able to let it go and mm-hmm. be okay with it yeah. all. How, how, uh, how did you guys find your Daisy and Violet? Like, I was just thinking, like, when I was putting this interview together, like, what if you guys had hated each other? Or, like, what if it just hadn't worked, you know? Like, Emily Skinner and Alice Ripley, like, ended up, like, doing albums and shows together and stuff. I mean... They did, yeah. Um, and I'm sure they didn't get along all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what their relationship was always like. Um, but, you know, I think that you would have to be a real kind of pain in the ass, I think, to not get along with somebody yeah. in that situation. Because, A, you're so grateful that, you know, there's somebody who matches. I mean, in my situation, I was like, yay, she matches me. Like, right. I'm grateful to you for that. B, you have to rely on each other so much. It's like you got to be... I likened it to being parents. <laughs> like, oh, I read this. Yeah, like the show, the show is your baby, and we're both parenting, and we both have to be on the same page and want the same things for our baby. You know, for it to work. It's so funny. Be- it's funny that you said that because our new baby, her name is Daisy. Oh. So I remember, like, I, I was, <laughs> I was this morning. She wouldn't go to sleep, and I was saying, "I will never leave you." I started crying <gasps> to her. So I've been very like, I loved that comparison because when I read that, it, it's been a very I'm a, I'm a new mom. You guys, yeah. cut me some slack. Oh, God bless you. Um, that is so nice. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And, you know, that that music is touching. Oh, my God. That music will so just rip ways. you apart. Yeah. I mean, just singing it to your baby. Yeah. There you go. It's so moving. Yeah. What have we done? Learned the truth. Closed a door. Opened more. I'm scared, no. 
I wanted to talk about how the show has been kind of described as not so much a revival as much as a reimagining. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? I do. How I do. do you? Were you a fan of the original? I was. So did you know it well enough to say like to to be able to talk about like how how it's been reimagined? I didn't know it. I just knew the score mm-hmm. because I actually did see it on Broadway. Oh, you did? I did. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I saw it, and I just remember walking away going, like, wow, those girls can sing. That music's beautiful. Um, but I don't remember the I – I have kind of a bad memory. So once I see something, it kind of floats away. Um, but I didn't remember the book uh-huh. that well. I mean, I knew basically what happened. Um, so, and I haven't really revisited what they did, only because I've been in such the world of this new thing. But I do know that there are a lot of big changes, um, significant changes to the story. And obviously a lot of songs are cut and new songs are written. So That is so exciting that yeah. there's going to be new songs. My husband is very upset about Tunnel of Love. Right. Well, um, <laughs> as far as, well, in D.C., we actually added the music back in. Mm-hmm. It's not the Tunnel of Love, but we added back the melody with different lyrics in a different situation. Uh-huh. I think to make all those Tunnel of Love fans happy. Yes. It's so funny because people either love the Tunnel of Love or they hate it. Uh-huh. So what what has the the feedback been from like the mega fans? You know, I think they love it. I think if you love the show the first time, it's really the heart of the story that you love and the music and that is still there. Mm-hmm. You know that enduring love of those two sisters and the hardships they go through and feeling like an outcast. I think so many people can relate to that. Yeah. And that's why they love it. Um oh, what was I going to ask you? Bear with me one moment while I review my notes. Oh, I, I guess I wanted to talk about how, how involved you as actors were in 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 shaping, you know, the, the new book or just ideas or things. Like, you know, did, did they come to you? Did Bill Condon come to you and say, like, what are your ideas? He does. I love that about him. He is so collaborative and, um, you know, he's this big movie director. But yeah. But he's very humble and so collaborative and you never feel like, when he sits down with you, like, oh, I'm more important than you, I'm smarter, and I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. He really wants to know our input and really respects our opinions, so that's been really lovely. I, He's a, a fantastic writer as well, and so he's the one who's really been um, rewriting the book, and he's done a wonderful job. 
he will ask our opinion. I mean, if I had a thought about how something should be, I would certainly bring it up. But mostly I kind of, I trust his work. Yeah. And if I, you know, think something doesn't feel right or I think it might feel better a different way, I will say that and usually it will change. And where are you guys in the, how does it, so you guys were in La Jolla and then you had some time off and then you did it at the Kennedy Center mm-hmm. and now it's coming to Broadway. How, what are you doing now? Are you guys still tightening up? Are you still changing things? Well, right now we're still on a hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you start rehearsing? We start rehearsing the very end of September. So I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know. So what do we have, like three, I want to say three weeks of actual rehearsal. Uh, so... I haven't spoken to Bill since D.C., um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing him tonight, so I can't wait. Oh. Um, I, I don't know how much he wants to change or uh-huh. what he wants to change, so that will be interesting to see. But what I love is that he's not afraid to make big changes. Mm-hmm. And, and just the leap from where La Jolla was to where D.C. is was it was huge. It was so much better. So I, I'm, we're really looking forward to seeing just how much it can grow and be better. I wanted to, I was trying to think of like the least Oprah-y way to ask this question. I but love Oprah. Bring it on. <laughs> having been with this show so long and having an open-ended journey with it, like what, what are you bringing to Broadway that you've kind of picked up along the way? Oh my God. <laughs> like a hundred gays just rolled their eyes so hard. <laughs> well, it's such a loaded question. It's huge. I, I can't tell you how this show in particular, for whatever reason, has challenged me like no other, and it just keeps coming back to me as, you know, in a way that I never expected, because even from the beginning, I never expected to be a part of it, and, you know, it kept rolling on, and they kept saying, oh, no, we still want you to do it, and I kept saying, okay, I will, <laughs> um, because it's such a challenge, and um, I know that I work best the longer I work on something often. Mm-hmm. What will happen is I'll often hit a plateau, and I'll be like, I suck, nothing's happening, it's the same old show, and all of a sudden something will change. Uh-huh. And you'll find new things, especially when you have that time off in uh-huh. between, I find for myself. It's it's like that time away, all of a sudden you have such a fresh perspective, and all of a sudden you start seeing new things, and it's just layering and layering on. So I don't know exactly what it is, but it's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm so excited. I can't wait. Can we go back a little bit to the beginning? To the beginning. I wanted to ask you, I I asked my husband if this was an appropriate question to ask, and he said it was, so I'm going to ask you about um, college. Mm -hmm. And you started at Cincinnati Conservatory, right, as a voice major? I did. You know this. Is it because you didn't get accepted to the musical theater program? That is true. I don't mind talking about this. Okay. Well, you're so successful now that it's kind of like, you know, I was hoping that it was okay to ask about it. You know what? I'm a person that like I just like to tell the truth all the time and it gets me in trouble so sometimes I don't like doing interviews because I just I will just blurt it out yeah totally I just want to be like yeah I did and I want to talk about it but it's not always good for me to talk about those things <laughs> I, I love that but yes I totally I, I auditioned for since CCM and I did not get into the musical theater program I wanted to ask about that because we have so many like young people who listen to this podcast ah, yes, who are constantly yes. looking for advice and like I, I applied to Emerson College to the musical theater program and did not get in and mm-hmm. it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because acting was not my path. Okay. But what obviously it was your path. What do you say to people who, who come up against some sort of like no like that at such a young age? Um, 
oh my gosh, you have to let it go. You have to trust the bigger picture. It's so funny because there was a young student. There was, I did Sunday in the Park with George uh, in St. Louis like three years ago, and there was a student in that cast who was going to school at Webster at the time, and he came in and he had not gotten cast in one of his school shows, and he was bawling, and he came to all the like leads in the show, the New York people, and he was like, what do I do? <laughs> what does it mean? And he was crying and crying, and we were like, calm down. Yeah. It's going to be fine. This doesn't mean you're not great. This doesn't mean you're not going to work. And it's so funny because this in the, just this past week, of course, he's my Facebook friend, and he wrote this thing about how grateful he is. He's working in New York. He's doing what he always loved. Uh. Just like the most loving, I'm in the most perfect place, and, you know, everything that got me here, you know. Yeah. You have to step back and look at the bigger picture and trust. Yeah. Trust that there is a bigger plan, as Oprah would say. <laughs> I um, You went to Boston Conservatory, right? I did. What I a great school. There. I like that, yeah. I did. Um, I took, like, high school musical theater classes there. I grew up on Cape Cod. Oh, cool. Yeah, they have this. I don't know if they still do it. I hope they do. It was, like, oh, it was Saturdays all day for, like, eight weeks, and you just come and take, like, Dance and voice and acting. It was great. Mm-hmm. Hey, Boston Conservatory. My acting teacher was Joe Mahoda, who's like oh a big gosh. deal agent now. Yes, and he actually came, um, I'm kind of aging myself a little bit, but he came back to our school when I was there because he was a working actor at the right. time. He was the original Sky in Mamma Mia? Um, I'm not sure. I think, right. You don't know Joe Mahoda? I, I can't remember what his theater credits were, but he came back to our school to say, hey, and I remember it was like, at the time he was just covering somebody. Um, in a big show, and we were like, he yeah. is working. He made it. He made it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and we were like, we want to be like Joe Mahoda. Yeah. Oh, Joe. Um, so you you made your Broadway debut in Grey Gardens. Yeah. I'm having this horrible brain thing where I'm like forgetting every, like the most important word in every sentence. I think I'm just nervous. Oh, why? I don't know. Don't I'm so be nervous to talk to you. Um, <laughs> and you came into the Broadway production. Uh-huh, I did. You said this really cool thing that I love because Sarah Gettlefinger had done the production off-Broadway. Yes. And somebody said, so you replaced Sarah Gettlefinger. And you said, no, I don't I don't call it replaced. I just think they wanted, said they were looking for something different, so they needed a different actor. We can totally just take that out if you're not comfortable with it. But no. I thought it was so cool. I think Sarah Gettlefinger is terrific. Oh I God. love her. Um, so I thought that it was a really cool shout out and a very classy way of handling that question. That's so funny because I think back at the time I thought that was such a dumb answer. <gasps> no, the, I, I was talking to somebody else on the show about how when actors are nice to each other, it's so amazing. I just think it's so great and you so know, like, supportive. I, I had felt, I felt so bad about, I guess, you know replacing her at yeah. the time because I had recently been fired from a show Oh wow! and it had crushed me. It crushed me. So I knew, you know, what it felt like just to be fired from a show, not because of your talent, but what things you cannot control. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was kind of, you know, being moved on because, not because, but in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew about it. And so it was a thing. And so me going into that show, people kept bringing it up to me, and I didn't know how to respond. I wanted to be like, she's good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why... They replaced, except, you know, I might look more like Christine, yeah. you know, which is kind of part of the show. It's kind of an important part of that show. For sure. So, um, And Sarah yeah. Gittlefinger is wonderful. She's, she's amazing. Leggy I saw and her recently and... in Atomic, and she's just, like, 
special. Yeah, you know? I couldn't agree more. She went to high, performing arts high school with some of my friends from college. So I've always like looked. I'm like, oh my god, my friends know her. Yeah. <laughs> but so okay, I. I kind of was wondering, like, you come into a production that's already had a life on Broadway, and you come in to Broadway, like, what was your audition process like? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I was temping at the time. No! Oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to give it all up. Oh, my God. It's not working That's right. Me. I read you were thinking about a career change. I was, I mean, not seriously, but yeah, I was getting to that point where I was having to really look at my life choices and saying, I'm not working enough. Mm-hmm. I can't temp forever. So um, I went in to cover Little Edie, what I was told. I went in to cover Little for this audition, and I read the you know breakdown. I wasn't familiar with Grey Gardens uh-huh. at this point. Because you're not a gay, like a 50-year-old gay man. I, yeah. <laughs> um, or a cool, like, I don't know, hip, whatever. Yeah. But um, I, so, you know, I looked at the breakdown, and I was like, She's, this is me. This is perfect. <laughs> She's a little wacky. Um, so I, yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly, but I, um, I went in for it, and I remember at the audition, I, um, it's kind of a long, I think I've told this story before. So I'm not oh my God, please tell us everything. Um, so I went into the audition, and <laughs> so they gave me like three songs and two scenes the day before, Okay. And this is not something you could go, like, listen to. I don't think that album was out yet. Right. off-Broadway album. Anyway. Um, so I – and the whole accent. Yeah. Is, it's a very, like, like New York – It's Yeah. It's hard It's hard to pick up really fast if you've yeah. heard of it. Amazing. So, um, but oh, I'd never heard it before that. So I went in. I was kind of doing kind of a Boston thing. Anyway, I went to the audition, and the director at the end says, when you come back, I want you to work on this. And I was like, oh, that sounds like I'm going to get a call back. So the next day I was at work, and my phone was off. Random. I think my battery is low, so my phone is off in the mm-hmm. morning. Charge your phone, actors. I know. And uh, <laughs> I got a. And when I turned it on, I had this me- all these messages, and one of them was from Telsey's office. One of them was from my agent, and um, I think from Telsey's office, he's like, "Where are you?" And my my agent called, and she was like, "Why aren't you with that?" She called me, and she basically said, "I forgot to tell you that you had a callback." <laughs> Yes. My ma, that, that, that is the actor's nightmare. It is. Well, it's one of them. So, oh and it was a Friday, God. and from all for all I knew, this was their final, you know, thing. And I was in in the end, I was also going for the cover, which I would have been thrilled with. Yeah. So, um, yes. So I freaked out, and she was like, "I'm so sorry. I wanted to tell you myself because she was excited for me. Mm-hmm. So she told the assistant, "No, I'll tell her." And then she forgot. Oh, my. are you um, still with this agent? No, I'm not. Okay. Um, but, you know, I don't blame her anymore. I think she was excited. And she generally, genuinely, you know, wanted to. Yeah. Anyway. And things worked out just fine. But, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, that day, um, I basically, she called, you know, from what I got uh, back from Telsey's office was, I'm sorry, that's it. You can't come in. And I was... <gasps> I had like I, you know, I went, I went to lunch with my boyfriend, and I cried and cried, and I was like, "What is my purpose?" And oh I my can't god! Do that, you if know? you guys could see my face right now, I can't take it. I know. So it was uh, crazy. Then I got a call a couple hours later, and they said we are having more auditions in two weeks, and we want you to come back. Oh my god! I was like, "Oh Jesus!" I do. <laughs> a chance so I was th- I mean great that's time to work on it that's time to learn that music and work on the accent and all that stuff so basically I went in the night you know two weeks later as far as I knew I was still going in for the cover and I think there were two other girls 
at the end of the day um, and me and um, I knew it went well I felt like it went well and I walked out and in a couple hours I got a call and it was like you got the role you didn't oh get my the God. understudy oh. to the White House I'd restore not to criticize Eleanor home decor just isn't her stock and trade you dress up any room just by being in it What did you do? Did you did you just start sobbing? I didn't sob. I was really happy though. Oh I was. God. I remember I was in a Kmart looking for a shower curtain. <laughs> you know. You are like, a person who has her act together. You are so centered. That is so. That is such a cool yeah. way to react. Like, thank I don't you, really universe. remember. I'm sure I might. Have, I don't know. I don't. I didn't ball, but I was truly grateful and happy and I loved calling my mom and telling her and my family and it was great. When were you starting rehearsal? Like how soon? Pretty soon. It was like maybe a month. I yeah, read three that... Three weeks. Oh, sorry, I totally interrupted you in the middle of a question. That was fine. So no, no, three weeks a month. I read that Lady Ebersole was mm-hmm. involved in the audition process. Is that right? She was. How, yeah. w- did she have like say? I think so. Yeah. Um... Yeah, she was in there. That was kind of was that amazing. What I was an like, amazing! Oh, right. It's so interesting because I had seen her performance on the drama desk. Uh huh. I remember there are a couple times in my life where something comes on television and I am riveted and and it changes my life. And that was one of those things. I remember just being like um, hypnotized by that performance that I saw. And never in a million years did I think I would be part of that show the next year. Right. You know. Um, but it was really cool. I, I'm sure she had a say. And hopefully she, yeah, I'm pretty sure that she was like, that girl. <laughs> Did you, like, read with her and stuff in the audition? No, I don't think so. She no. was just, like, on the other side of the yeah, table. Yeah, she was just behind the table. Yeah. That must have been exciting. It was. It was, yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm, I love it. Um, okay, hang on. Let me look at my notes. I have so many questions. <laughs> oh, the, Act 1 is kind of made up, right? That's not, like, a. we don't know that that's a true story. Some of the events are true, and, you know, Doug, right? Brilliant. Brilliant, Doug Wright. Oh my God, I love Doug Wright. He put together that story. Um, For people who don't know, you play. So the, the the story. Well, maybe you maybe you can tell what the kind of just like a two sentences of what the story is about. Oh well, it's based on the documentary uh, of the Beals that was done in the late seventies, mm-hmm. and it's a mother and daughter who used to be, you know, in their heyday, they were just the top of society. And now, in, in the late 70s, as they were older, they lived together in a filthy house, and they were basically hoarders, and they the, had in the cats, tons of cats, and yes, in the Hamptons. So, yeah, the beginning was mostly made up and cobbled together. So in the first act, you play the young, and they're also, um, like, cousins of Jackie Kennedy. Yes, and yes. In the beginning, I the play first young... Act, you play- Little Edie, basically, yeah. in the first act. And then, so you're like the young Christine Ebersole, who Christine Ebersole, like, plays in the second act. Exactly. Right. 
Um, and this show is so genius. The show is so brilliant. No, I love that show. How did you? How was it working with her? To I was wondering how it was if you're playing her in the first act and she's playing her in the second act. How do you two work together so that it feels like a continuous arc? That it feels like the same person. Um, well, she had her little Edie down. So it was basically my job to match that, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun, actually. Yeah. And throughout the run, I felt like I kind of you know, kept getting it better and better as it went along. Um, so basically, that was my job because she was perfection. So mm-hmm. I just right. had to kind of come in and make it work. Can we talk about a little night music? Yeah. Okay, a couple questions. So uh, initially, you got you in the original cast. It was the like the big headliners were Catherine Zeta Jones right? and Angela Lansbury. I believe it's Zeta, like Peta. Zeta, Catherine Zeta. I believe so. We got. I think that. Yeah. Was she not, Was she nice? She was nice, but she's a movie star, so she. Um, you know, people who have so many people wanting their attention and uh-huh. coming into their space, they kind of put up a kind of safety wall. Sure. So I she, totally do that. You I'm know, just exactly. <laughs> so she had up the safety wall, and um, but she was certainly, you know, respectful and loving to the rest of the cast. What about Angela Lansbury? I mean, well, she's like a queen. She's like yeah, the queen yeah. of theater. Mm-hmm. Um, she she really does seem like royalty. She's just classy and. Lovely and kind. I He's saw her at an opening night once. I, me and my husband randomly bought tickets to opening night for August Osage County. We didn't even know it was opening night. Yeah. We walked in to pick up our tickets, and she was standing in the lobby, like hold, literally holding court, looking so regal mm-hmm. and gorgeous. And it was like a receiving line. It was like everybody there was like walking, wanted to say hi to her, and she was just saying hello to everybody. Yeah, and she will. Yeah. God. And then they were replaced by Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch. Yes. So you had the... It was so fun. Yeah, it was very different. It completely changed the show. Yeah. And the energy. How was working with Elaine Stritch? Uh, It was fun. (laughs) It was funny. It was... It was a trip. I mean, she's exactly as she seems. Yeah. Um, But she also is really underneath that, you know, rough exterior. She was really kind and loving person. And I love her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you get to, like, establish a friendship with her? Um, I did a little bit. She was, um, she was just, (laughs) I think that she kind of identified with me a little bit and that my character was kind of acerbic Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. over it and (laughs) funny. And so she would give me notes sometimes. She would? Yeah, but, I mean, I would be like, I don't know how to do this, Lane. This isn't landing. And she would, and once she walked all the way up to my Fourth floor. Yeah. I like, she did? I, yes. I was on the very top, you know, dressing room, and she knocked on my door. Some gay carried her. And I think she had just, like, her shirt on and, like, n- no pants, of course. And she was like, <laughs> I got an idea for that thing. God, what did she say? I was like, okay. What is that? I can't remember. I think it was something like, laugh, laugh when you say that. Laugh in that line. Oh, my God. That is so amazing. Yeah, she was great. Um I actually have a great story about that experience with Elaine. Will I think you I share? can tell that. I think I can tell the story. I don't think it's bad. Um, <laughs> but she, um, uh, okay, so near the end of the run, I think because she was older, um, and it's hard when you're older and you're, you die on stage. She mm-hmm. dies on stage. Her character dies on stage. I think she resisted that. I think that, you know, Elaine is the type of person who wants to end on top. Uh-huh. And I think she, it was uncomfortable for her as that character to die at the end of the show, as she did, just kind of, you know, she kind of 
just drops her cards and she's dead. And then I love the end of that show, yeah. especially that production where she dies and then everybody just comes out and starts waltzing around her and all you it's very dark and all you hear are the steps and the strings. It's so beautiful. So Elaine, near the end of the run, just started getting kind of making noise. Really? Yeah, she started would be, she would kind of, and you know, she'd be like, ah, and we'd hear her. And, you know, you know, a lot of the people got frustrated with her because she was making these noises, and I don't think she thought anybody could hear her. Um, and I'm sure most of the audience couldn't. Uh, but, uh, you know, a couple, at least a couple rows could. And I was so mad. I was like, you're ruining the end of the show. And then we told the stage management and the stage man, like, nobody would approach Elaine. <laughs> I nobody wouldn't. Would, I think, and I think that she probably wouldn't listen to them anyway. Right. Uh, but, you know, one night I was so fed up. And she, at the end of the show, she would always end up next to me by, backstage before the curtain call. And she came off after one. And I was like, Elaine? I was like, I think you're ruining that moment. I was fed up. And I was like, Elaine, you can't. And she was like, huh? And she goes, you're probably right. And after that, she stopped. And also, after that, after I said that, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, what did I do? And so, uh, but she actually had even more respect for me after that. She was like, no, you know what? You were honest. She loves, you know, she loved honesty. uh So she was like, you were right. And I, I think she respected me. And my work and the fact that it was coming from me, I think she listened. So That is an amazing story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I I read this really cool thing that you said about um, Bernadette Peters, which was that you, you know, you were always like a lifelong fan and all of a sudden you're going to be working with her and it was so exciting, but you had to put like your professional hat on and like not, you know, not... Not be like a fangirl the way I would be. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you ever got to have like a private moment with her where you got to tell her what she meant to you. Or if you're even the kind of person who would do that. Um, I'm not usually because when I really love somebody, I don't want to be like, I love you so much. Mm-hmm. I want to be on their level. I want uh-huh. to meet them where they are. Um, that's a very Oprah thing for you there. Yeah. Um, but uh, She's a huge fan of the podcast, so. I love her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oprah's. She yeah. listens all the time. Totally. Um, in her, you know, in her pad in Hawaii. Totally. So, no. Um, I, you know, during the show, no, I didn't. I'm very, what happens is when I really like somebody, I get very shy and I, and I never approach them and talk to them hardly. Um, so, um, but you know what's interesting? I did see her in Follies mm-hmm. in DC. Yeah, of course. And I went backstage and I kind of I did a little bit there. Yeah. I was like, You're so this <laughs> and you're so this <laughs> and then I walked away and I was like, Oh my god, what did I just say? <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. So hopefully I didn't embarrass myself. Okay, hang on one second. Oh, okay, so just a couple more questions. So this was, you mentioned earlier about being, do you have to go? No, no, actually, what time is it? Uh, 3.30. Oh, it's only 3.30, I'm fine. Okay, cool. Um, You had mentioned, you had mentioned uh, earlier that you, in the long run of a show, sometimes it can feel a little stale to you. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, like, this was like almost two years of a run, I think, right? Night music? Yeah. It was, no, it was a year... It was a year and like three or four months. Okay. What did you, what did, how did you keep it fresh? Well, the cast change helped a lot. I have oh, to say. Oh, right. When I had that, we had like a week or two off in between that cast change. And I'm telling you, when I have time off, like, it's like when you step away, even for that amount of time, something happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You just come back and you're re-energized and you go, huh, this is a different beast. Yeah. Um, so... 
but otherwise I can't keep it fresh all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm human. So what ends up happening is I'll feel like, you know, there'll be times when I'll do a show and I'll just be like, that was terrible. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you feel like a, a horse on a racetrack. Sometimes uh-huh. And you're like, nothing's, just, nothing's changing, nothing's happening. I'm just going through the motions. I don't think the audience feels it that way. I'm mm-hmm. sure that it's just me. I hope. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, See Sideshow early, you guys. <laughs> just kidding. Not that early, though. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so like I said, what happens is I'll hit the, like I'll hit, I feel like I hit a plateau for a while. And it'll be a couple weeks or whatever. And all of a sudden... Something will shift, and maybe that's something in my personal life shifts. I don't know mm-hmm. what, what that shift is, but all of a sudden, you'll start to find new things, mm-hmm. and you'll kind of have another growth spurt. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was you had a like a small role on Orange is the New Black in the second season. I did. How, so you played um, Crazy Eyes' mom in a flashback. Yeah. Um, how was that? What, I'm obsessed with that show. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. Did you know, were you a fan before you got cast in that role? No. No, I wasn't. I But, you know, when I got the audition, I watched um, a couple of shows. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? Uh, I had never heard of it. So... I kind of got the gist of it, and I just, I went in, and, like, that was it. Like, I went in, read that one scene, and they were like, okay, you got it. Oh, like, in the room? Not in the room, but usually, you know, I, I expected, like, a callback or something, yeah. but nope. Do you think we'll see more of that character? I feel like we have a lot of, like, unanswered questions about Crazy Eyes. I have, no, I don't think so, as far as I know. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard anything, but I guess that anything is possible. I mean, if I think if the show continued on... Many more seasons, yeah. Seasons, and that actress who plays Crazy Eyes, uh, Uzo Adubo, I think mm-hmm. is her name. She's like a theater alum. She, she totally she's is. She was yeah. in Godspell, yeah, and she's so beautiful. Yeah, she's lovely. Yeah, she's so talented. Yes, fab. All right. Well, last thing we have, we do what we call a lightning round. Can we do a lightning round? Oh my God, okay, yes. <laughs> lightning round with Aaron Davies. What's Davey? gonna come out of my mouth? <laughs> What's gonna happen? I don't know. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Wine or cheese? Cheese. Letter or telegram? Telegram. East side or west side? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I like them both. That's a good answer. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Oh, Brooklyn. Who will love me as I am or I will never leave you? Who will love me as I am? A non-Broadway show you're particularly proud of? That I've done. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm blanking. Um, <laughs> how about... Um, the glorious one. Oh, Sounds yes. Yeah. Three special skills from your resume. Oh, my God. I really don't have any. <laughs> I, put, I, I just put stuff down there just because I expect, I feel like, I have, like, painting on there. <laughs> and, like, my driver's license. That's my favorite. I, I, I got nothing. All right. Favorite New York spot. How about uh, the, the cloisters? Oh, God, I love the cloisters. Yeah, Fort Tryon Park is amazing. Yeah, Fort Tryon Park. Uh, skydiving or shark cage, di- shark cage diving? Oh, shark cage. Way over skydiving. What food item can you not live without? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> ice cream. Yes. Uh, when it comes to flowers, are you more daisies or violets? Um, whatever lasts longer. I think daisies last a long time. Right. I, these, I feel bad about flowers. I'm not a big fan because I feel like they just come in and start to die. Totally. I'm sorry. Is that bad? <laughs> no. That's okay. depressing and like, Give wonderful. me a plant. Give me a plant that will last. Name an odd exotic creature. Odd exotic creature. Uh, what is an odd exotic creature? Mm. How about the Loch Ness Monster? Perfect. What do you, Aaron Davey, have a little of every day? 
Hmm. Like eating? Yeah. Or like whatever. What do I have a little bit of every day? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That's a tough question. <laughs> what do I have a little of every day? Lately, dairy. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, other than your character, which sideshow freak do you most identify with? The um, probably the um, geek. Mm-hmm. Most amazing celebrity visitor backstage. So far? Oh, mm-hmm. you mean my whole career? The, any show. Um, I probably Jeffrey Rush. Ooh. Only because he was so effusive in his like of my me and my work. Really? I was like, you like me? <laughs> he was like, oh, darling. I don't think he said darling, but, you know, I, yeah. I was like, he really likes me. That's so cool. You know, somebody of that caliber who... I love It's it. not just that they come back. It's that they... Really appreciate and love your work. Mm-hmm. What show was it? It was Grey Gardens. Oh, of course. Uh, what role are you completely wrong for, but you'd love to play? Mm-hmm. Probably um, young things that are too young for me now, like Clara and Light in the Piazza, mm-hmm. oh. Carnival, Lily yes. Carnival. That's it. Erin Davey, thank you so much for being on the Theater People podcast. I hope that wasn't boring. No, you were fabulous. It I hope I didn't wonderful. give away anything. <laughs> mm, I don't mm, think so. I don't think so. was produced by Vanya Arslanian, Mike Jensen, and me. Special thanks as always to BroadwaySpotted.com, Davenport Theatrical, Bradley Bean, Steve Tipton, the staff at Oswald, and Ellen Marsh. Just a friendly reminder to get your tickets to our first ever live show taking place January 11th and featuring Tony nominee Laura Osnes with a special performance by Ellen Marie Marsh. Tickets are only $10, you guys. You can get them at our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com. While you're there, check out our other episodes, including recent conversations with Lin-Manuel Miranda, Celia Keenan-Bolger, Karen Olivo, Anthony Rapp, Leslie Margarita, and more. We'll be back in two weeks with wonderful town star Alicia Umfris. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. <laughs> <laughs>